are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good afternoon, morning-ish, kind of real life family. How are you guys doing? Good. Good to see some visitors back that come to grace our presence. Glad to see you guys. Well, I am excited to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant here at Real Life, and I thank you all for that. And I'm super excited today to pass on to you what the Lord has gotten a chance to to work me over with this week in regards to our message. So super excited to get it out of my life. No, Uh, super excited to to share that with you, what God's been doing. So um, we are in our sermon series called Forever Changed. And we kicked that off last week with uh, Mary of Magdalene. If you missed that, you can go back online and catch that. Uh, delivered beautifully by Marty Solomon. Um, This week we are diving into Nicodemus. Next week we have Marty and Emmy with the woman at the well. And so super excited for that as well. And just seeing how God is changing our our people. He's changing our hearts. He's moving us and directing us and guiding us and, and for us to be sensitive to that and to his spirit and to his calling for what he has. So let's dive in and take a look at this guy named Nicodemus. And we find this in John chapter three. And at the beginning of this chapter, uh, they introduce Nicodemus. And you know that titles are pretty important. And I think we still value them uh, today with letters after our name or uh, manager or assistant to the manager for any office fans in here. Um, All of those things. So titles are important. And it's interesting that um, they give some titles to Nicodemus to let us know a little bit about who he is. And so uh, Jesus actually calls him Israel's teacher. Um, John is introducing him as, as a Pharisee. So let's just start with some of the basics here to make sure we're all on the same page of, of understanding who Nicodemus was and how he could have possibly been forever changed. So uh, Pharisee, um, their name comes from a Hebrew and Aramaic uh, parashu or parashui, which means one who is separated. One who is separated. It's an ancient Jewish sect Uh, distinguished by strict observance of traditional and written law and commonly held to have pretensions to superior sanctity, unlike any of us in here. Superior sanctity. They also uh, go on to say that he was a a member of the Jewish ruling council and they call it like the Sanhedrin. And so uh, the the Sanhedrin is the Supreme Council and Tribunal of the Jews during uh, post-Teletic times headed by the, a high priest and having religious, civil, and criminal jurisdiction. So think in today's world, think Supreme Court justice. Think uh, top of the top, right? Uh, the, the Jews were allowed to rule uh, their own people, which was a great strategy that Rome had is he allowed their own people to, to rule them. It's kind of like letting them do the work until it got to some pretty high matters. And that's when we obviously see Pontius Pilate and different things. But um, so they were allowed to rule. And so he was part of the rulers. He was like the top of the top. Think um, rocket scientists, think uh, astrophysicists, think uh, Brilliant, brilliant mind. He was a scholar of Torah, probably had the first, all of those things memorized. He was Israel's teacher. So this is a conversation between two Jedis. <laughs> Except ours guy is the better Jedi, right? So like, and there's this sparring in there where it's just like, and we're like, well, that's a dumb question. Why would he ask that? It is, woo It is up here. This is a hotly discussed uh, passage in scripture. But what I find interesting 
about this and helps give me a, a little bit of context to this is the, is the passage right before this, uh, Jesus goes out and he clears the temple. And this is where I love my cowboy Jesus, all right? So it says that he fashions a whip accord and he sees the people making a, a marketplace out of the temple and Jesus is like, yeah, well, boom. And he just starts like whipping people and kicking over tables and he's wearing cowboy boots like I am. And it's just like, yahoo, cowboy Jesus. And then I studied the text and I lost my cowboy Jesus. <laughs> but I kind of like it because I'm a little zealous. So uh, as the more I studied that and kind of researched that, this is my fabulous prayer shawl from Israel that I got for a bargain of 160 some odd dollars, I think, because it's been blessed by a rabbi and it's the right fabric. Except I don't have the blue threads, so I think I kind of got gypped. Um, but usually hangs in my office, but today it's hanging on me. And so Jesus is in this temple. Think about this in context, because Nicodemus probably, well, he has heard about this, and he's in there. So I, I like cowboy Jesus whipping people, right? but maybe not him. And so why is he in there and what's he angry about? And he talks about how they're making his, uh, his, the God's, God's house uh, a, a merchandise, a place to sell goods. And the vision that I get, I don't know this is accurate, this is Josh Gray version of this, but he fashions a whip of cords. Well, you're not allowed to bring weapons into the temple. So maybe that means he grabs his tassels. And his tassels are probably way cooler than mine, maybe longer, and all this other cool stuff. But he, and, he, and he goes up to people. And the vision that I have that I see Jesus doing, because this is kind of like his heart, and he's frustrated, and he's going up to people, and he's sitting there, and he's like, you are violating Torah. You are, you are not showing who God really looks like by you overcharging people and making my father's house a marketplace. Why are you misrepresenting the father in heaven? And he's getting mad and he's, he's angry about it, but he's probably not beating them up like I want him to. But anyway, he's just, you, you are violating this. And I almost see his face as this passionate face of somebody who wants to make sure that the father in heaven is represented well. So, the next visit, I'm going to leave this on. It kind of seems cool. I'll try it. I'll try it out. Uh, the next visit we have, or the next scripture, is this scripture with Nicodemus coming to meet uh, Jesus at night. And so do we all, we all understand who Nicodemus is. And as we go through this passage, uh, you guys are going to probably recognize one of the most recognized verses that you've seen at every football game in the world and, and uh you know, John 3.16 and all these other things. But I think today it has a little twist on it for us. And so let's dive into the text here and see what the Lord has. Okay, so now there was a Pharisee. We know what that guy is. There's a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council because that's important. He's a big deal. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Hold that thought on born again. We can, uh, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb. Just lightsabers going off. He's not thinking directly that. 
Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Bigger lightsaber. Um, You should not be surprised at me saying these. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. Pharisee, Israel's teacher, ruler, knowing all the laws, you hear all this stuff, but you don't know what you're doing with it. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Bigger lightsaber, right? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, hint, Hermes, go back there, so the son of man will be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. There's lots of pieces in this that's easy to gloss over. One of them uh, that I found interesting was this phrase born again, which sometimes is translated to like born above. And so this is a great uh, phrase to build an entire doctrine on about being born again. And it's super important for us in here, right? So this is part of our vision as a church. We are here to reach the, the world through Jesus one person at a time, right? And when that happens... Um, we uh, encourage those folks that if they accept the Lord to become, we would say, born again. So we like to say, say that it's our phrase, but it's actually not even our phrase. It was there before us as Gentiles, as Christians. Born again. And so when we think born again, which is a good thing, we think somebody accepts the, Lord's, uh, accepts the Lord, gets baptized, right? And their life is changed forevermore. And that's what happened to me. I got the chance to be born again, to start over, to start a new life, living it for God, not for myself. And my life is forever changed because of being born again. I received salvation. I received freedom from my sins. So now let's run this back into the Jewish context. What would Nicodemus think when he would hear the word born again or born above. 
And for him, that message is a little different. That would take him not to an event that happened in, in, in like an event that happened in our life, like when you're like, Josh, you were born again. Yeah, I was baptized in a hot tub in Portland, Oregon by three of my best friends. I was born again. I remember the spiritual marker. For them, they would take him to a different spiritual marker. Being born again would take them to Exodus. And the phrase, the phrase being born again would take them to the time of Passover, and it would take them to the time of, of cooking a lamb in the fetal position with its head between its legs and think bloody opening as they did a Passover over the door for birth. And what were they getting birth from? They were getting birth from freedom to freedom. And we think about water breaking and what happens, lady, when the water breaks, the baby's coming. And we think about the reed sea, the water breaking and them coming out and being called Israel. That's where it would take Nicodemus. So he's like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, yeah, born again. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're, we were called out. Right. So, so I will be your God and you will be my people. Yep. That's what we are. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a ruler of the, I know all the rules. We're keeping the rules. And Jesus is like, well, wait a minute. Didn't I just have to go clean your house? Didn't I just have to go into your temple? So it's super cool. Born again for me is freedom and salvation. Born again for the Jews is freedom and salvation coming out of Israel. And God says, when it comes out of Israel, you are my firstborn, Jewish folks. You are the Behor. And when we think about Behor, and the firstborn, if we remember any of these lessons we've talked about, the Bohor gets the majority of the, of the resources. And the Bohor's job is to take care of the entire family. Is Jesus possibly having a conversation with Nicodemus about how he's taking care of the entire family? And is calling him back to be born again. Next phrase as I was going through this was the one that I've seen at every football sign or football stadium and everything. You raise it up and John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only gotten son that you sinners should follow him and have eternal life, which is cool and true. But in this context, he was talking to a teacher of the law. He was talking to us in here, not everybody out there. He was talking to the people who already knew. So we're holding the sign. The kid misses the field goal. He's 18. We call him some names. Curse Adam. Pick up our beer. <sighs> Let me put my sign back up. Maybe that's what they, Jesus felt like they were doing in the temple. You're not taking care. You're not taking care of God's name. So for God so loved the world, Nicodemus, not just not just you. Your job is to take care of the world. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world, not just to you, to the world, to Moscow. He didn't send it to condemn them the world, but to save the world through him. And so now when I see that sign, I'm going to think something different. That he's not talking to all the people that don't know him. That they're talking about us. And do we know him? And do we know what our job is? 
So as I, as, I, as I processed through this and was looking, I'm like, God, what's going on here? And Jesus is like, you're not taking care of the Lord's name. You are making it hard for people to worship. What are you doing with that, Nicodemus? Man, this is hot. Whew. They must have been hot all the time there. So um, was Nicodemus changed? How do we know if he was changed? The series called Forever Change. Josh, where do we see any change in Nicodemus' life? You know, we are called to uh, first be a disciple of Jesus and then to make disciples, right? And in our church, we get our definition about what a disciple is from the actual text. The definition's in the invitation. Come and follow me. So we're trying to follow Jesus the best that we can. And I will make you. I will transform you. You need to be changed into fishers of men and women, right? And so we talk about being made. So was Nicodemus made? What was changing in him? So the next time we see Nicodemus, we see him in John 7, uh, 50 and 51. And Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own in number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing. So they're trying to get Jesus. They got their gang together. All the Supreme Court folks are going to get Jesus and they're going to get him. And Nicodemus is like, hey, what about our law? And like the thing that we say that we would give people a fair shot, they're like, yeah, get out of here. Don't be distracting us with what we already said. So we see Nicodemus attempting to stand up and say, at least give the man a chance. Let's at least hear him out. So we see a change. Then we run to the next time we hear about Nicodemus is at the end of when Jesus is already gone. And, uh, And he was accompanied by Nicodemus, Joseph, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, just referencing the night visit, right? Nicodemus, this Supreme Court guy, this brilliant scholar, this the height of the height, the very respected in his culture, is going to this Jesus' grave. He's going to his grave. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Pretty significant investment. What that means is that matters. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it. So Nicodemus is there when it's all over and he's caring for our Lord's body. Pretty interesting going from the scholarly questioning guy to wrapping the Lord's body with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. So yeah, I believe Nicodemus was uh, forever changed. We see that. So what does this mean to us today? And so as I was going through this and, and seeing where God was taking, taking me, there's some questions that, that came up. And I want you to put maybe your name in here or not, not your neighbor's name. Put your name in here. I got Nicodemus's name in here, but put, I put my name in here. And let's ask ourselves just a couple things here. Nicodemus. Joshua. Your name. Tell the right story. 
of what a firstborn son of God is supposed to act like. In your context, people around you and taking care of God's name, they're watching you. You, what do we say? When you became a Christian, you didn't get a t-shirt. What did God give you? His name. Christian means little Christ, Christ Christ-like. So when you say that you're a Christian, you have God's name. What kind of story are we telling the world about God's name? When they see how you act at work, when they see how you, how you act, uh, act uh, cheering on sports. Man, convicted by that a little bit. I should apologize to that umpire right now. I, I said bad things about him in my mind when I was watching my godson's play. Uh, and he's just referring the sport. So, uh, Josh, Nicodemus, your name inserted there. Reclaim the identity of who I said you were. What does God say you are? He calls you his treasured possession. You are a kingdom of priests. God thinks pretty highly of you. He made you. He allowed us to be here. So remember, Nicodemus, who you are. Remember, Josh, who you are. Josh, Nicodemus, your name. Return to your roots. Do you need to be born again? When we baptize people, it's a spiritual marker. It's just like this thing that we stand on the ground that this was the day. And there's different points in my life and maybe different points in your life where you put a spiritual marker in the ground. And sometimes I fade away from that marker. I don't know about any of you guys, but I sinned this week. I, as a pastor of this church, have to be reborn again more than weekly if I could. I have to go to the Lord all the time. So where in your life do you want to be reborn again? Because he asked Nicodemus to be reborn. Josh, Nicodemus, go out into the world. This is not about our club here, our Christian club here. And our comfortable seats and our air conditioning and all that stuff. Like, this is cool. We come here and celebrate. And sometimes the Lord teaches us from something and we get to worship amazing things and amazing uh, worship together and sing to our God, right? But the work of the church is not done in here. The work of the church is done out there. And it's done out there by me and by you. There's a book called Church is a Team Sport. It's a pretty good book. I'm just a coach equipping And so the work of of what we're supposed to do is out there in the world. So Josh, go out into the world. Your name, go out in the world. Nicodemus, go take care of the name that God gave you. There are people out there in the world that are living a literal hell. How about your life before Jesus? A place to process, a place to think. What are we called to do? We're called to go out there. Josh, Nicodemus, your name, start over. 
take that spiritual rebirth. You know, I already know more about the Bible and the text than I'm ever going to do. Already. And if you've been here for any period of time, you already know that too. So now what are we supposed to go do? Welcome to my week. The Lord's sifting us, calling us back, calling this church to continue on the good work it was doing and for us to continue on out there. So every week we get the opportunity to have communion and it's a privilege. So if you're serving communion, head on back. If you're new with us and checking us out, uh, we celebrate communion every week. Uh, If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been born again. You've been given freedom from sin. You've been, been, you're you're a new person. We want you to participate. This is a privilege. If you haven't and you have questions, love to tell you about it. Changed my life forever. And just let, let it go by. It won't be, mean that much to you, but it means a lot to us that are here because it is a chance for us to be, uh, re- get the reboot that we need every week. So let's take a look at some questions that you can uh, consider as you go out throughout your week about what God is doing with us. Nicodemus was forever changed, right? How about us? So good or bad? And we are doing some cool things. There are some really good things. We are giving God a great name in our town in a lot of areas. But you personally, good or bad, what message is the world getting from you about who your God is? Are you generous with your stuff? Are you generous with your finances? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your, are you, are you, uh, Lavish in your praise of people. Dale Carnegie would say, say, are you hearty in your approbation, but lavish in your praise? Who are you complimenting in a good way, in a good and sincere way? Man, what comes out of our mouth is a heck of a lot more important than what comes out of our pocketbook. Amen? What are we doing with that gift? Are there any areas of your life that need to undergo a spiritual rebirth? And I don't want this to be like, yeah, okay, sure, maybe, yeah, Mike, good luck. I don't want to talk about that question. No, sit down, take inventory. Where in your life do you desire, do you gotta have a spiritual rebirth? Where is it? Because it's in there. Like Nicodemus, are we comfortable with the blessings of God? We are blessed. I mean, we hit, we hit the jackpot living in America. How many of us had to dig in garbage dumps for food to this week? How many of us had to eat something we maybe didn't like? Kind of. But we're not worried about where the next meal's coming from, most of us. It's hard to starve here. We are so blessed even to be where we are. Well, that guy's got a bigger boat or a different house or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm worried about which, you know, that I can't fit my big, my car's too big to fit in my garage. That's a different discussion, isn't it? Than the rest of the world, right? So are we comfortable with the blessings of God but neglecting the world around us? What does that look like to involve others? What are you called to do in 
and for God's kingdom. Well, you guys will quickly find out about who Real Life has been and who we're going to continue to be is uh, we don't plan on being a sideline sitting church. We are not trying to attract the masses because of our amazing teaching. We want to worship God well. We want to honor his text really, really well and, and, and give us something that actually physically changes us, just doesn't make us smarter. Marty mentioned that in the first service last week. The knowledge without the spur to act on it, what are we? Could we be a Pharisee? Could we just keep getting smarter and smarter and smarter? Or are we going to keep showing off God's name more and more and more and more and more? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And one that doesn't have to wear a prayer shawl because it's hot. I want to be a part of, part of a church like that. And you know that you were called. Like last week talked about you have to go. You are called. You all have a purpose in here. Every single person in here has an absolute purpose that God has called you on. There are people I will never even meet or reach that you can reach. To reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And that's what we're tasked with. That's where we're going. That's what we're doing. So we're going to reach the world. So every week we get to reset Right? We get to reset. And so if you're like me, I need a reset this week. I'm ready to start over. I'm ready to be reborn in quite a few areas. And Lord, I'm ready to charge the week because I want to go show you off well out there. Right? So commit to that with me. That night, the Lord Jesus, uh, on that night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink of it, let's remember him. Father in heaven, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time with this amazing family that we get to be a part of. Lord, that we come here to celebrate you. We come here to cry out to you, Father. I thank you where you took me in the text this week, Lord, and the things I learned about Nicodemus, and I do believe, Father God, that he was forever changed. Lord, I believe that uh, the lesson for me here is, Lord, just to continue to make sure I understand how I'm representing you. Lord, if you, if you, if you need to cleanse a temple, just start with me. Cleanse my heart. Reveal to me, Lord, how I can represent you well. How we can um, show you off, because it is true. When I, when I saw you, Father, when I understood who you really were, I fell deeply in love with you. And Lord, you changed me. You changed my family. You changed my legacy. You changed everything about me. So Lord, I want to introduce people to that. Not to the name of a church. Not to the name of a pastor. I want to introduce them to your precious, amazing name and have them fall in love with you too, Father. So Lord, I just thank you for this time and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. 
Until next time, have a great week.